Back in Style, our Twin Peaks podcast. I'm Logan. I'm Matthew. And today we are going to be talking about uh, episode three of Twin Peaks, uh, entitled Rest in Pain. Are you saying episode three because the first one... Episode three as in, yeah, as in the first one that we did was the pilot. Yes, okay. Uh, episode, you know, episode four on Netflix, episode three, uh, technically. Yeah. To get technical there. Yeah, yeah. so uh, just a little update with the podcast. Uh, we know it's been a while since our uh, <laughs> last episode. Things have been getting uh, pretty busy. Um, me and Logan are involved in our school's play, and that's that's coming up. And then Brendan's involved in some stuff at college, and you know, Floyd's busy as well. Um, but we want to get this episode recorded to get some content out on the channel. So stay tuned. Um, we should hopefully see some stuff popping up in the next couple weeks. Uh, CTP will return. Uh, so yeah, just keep your eyes peeled. But for now, we have another Back in Style episode, which is awesome, because I've been dying to talk about this episode so that I can watch the new one. So I'm extremely excited. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited, too. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of stepped away for the last month just for uh, working on you know, applications and stuff. And uh, you know, now that that's all in, I had kind of been hoping that... Um, Brendan and Floyd are going to have a little more time to, um, you know, get out some of those shows, get some uh, Stop With What's, but, um, you know, that's all right, and it's, you know, we had a month off, but uh, we are, we are back, we are quite literally back in style. We, we are back in style, right yes. So, um, <laughs> so, I guess with that, we can get into talking about the episode. Right. Um, it was, wow, all right, I was going to read some information. Uh, from the essential wrapped in plastic, which is where I get my plot summaries and a lot of our information, but I lost the page. But now I found it again. <laughs> found it. Um, uh, let's see. It was written by Harley Payton, uh, directed by Tina Rathborn, uh, edited by Tony Morgan. These are mostly new faces. Um, uh, Harley Payton had, uh, she, or he, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> she, it is a he. I always think she because of, you know, Harley Quinn, I guess. Yeah, I uh, actually thought she as well. Harley Payton. Uh, he actually got an award for, uh, he got an Emmy for uh, Best Writing Category. For uh, this for, episode? For this episode, yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. So, um. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a little background uh, knowledge. And actually, before we get into this episode, I want to follow up on the last one. I know it's been a while. But I remembered, as soon as we finished recording that episode, that there was something I wanted to say about it. So, if you can think way back to episode two of our podcast, episode one of the show, um, when Jacoby is listening to a tape. Yes. I said, mm -hmm. I told you there's originally something that that scene was supposed to be, originally something that was supposed to be on the tape. Yes. Um, that they cut and they use it later. And what that was is basically Laura Palmer describing a dream that she had. And the dream was essentially what we see in uh, episode two. Oh, okay. So it's kind of her describing, you know, the, the red room, the little man, the um, old guy in the chair who is, we learned to be Cooper. Um, so she kind of describes that in the tape to Jacoby, um, which was later changed because I guess they wanted like the full surprise effect. So was he laughing then? Or he, I don't know. Because remember, you raised that question of it could yeah. be either laughing or crying. Because it was kind of hard to discern when you're watching the episode. 
Interesting. It could it could have been either. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been. So they they filmed that scene with the dream. Like you, that was what he was. Reacting I think they to might originally. either either that or it was just sort of a a scripting thing, and that was what they had put in. But um, yeah, they changed it later. Um, and anyway, I just I think it's interesting that they were going to use that, but they decided to wait so we could have just the full effect of um of shock. Yeah, and if you listen to our last episode, we we went into depth on the dream and how <laughs> shocking it was, especially for me. Um, just brilliant episode. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so, all right. I guess with that, we can get into the plot summary for this one. Um, from our essential wrapped in plastic. Uh, the official back in style resource. The official back in style resource. We're uh, we'll try to get a sponsorship from them. Yes. <laughs> not. We haven't gotten that quite yet. So Working hesitant about it. saying official, but we do get all our plot summaries from here. So uh, pending. <laughs> yes, pending. All right. Here we go. Audrey tells Cooper about One-Eyed Jacks. Cooper tells Truman and Lucy that he cannot remember the identity of the murderer. At the morgue, Doc Hayward and Albert argue about further autopsy tests on Laura's body. Truman punches Albert after being insulted. Leland is surprised to see Madeline Ferguson, Laura's cousin, arrive. Norma learns that her jailed husband, Hank, could be paroled soon. Uh, Cooper and Truman question Leo about the night Laura was killed. Uh, The night, yeah, Len... Sorry. Oh, wow. I'm pulling a Floyd right now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, about the night Laura was murdered. Uh, Cooper tells Hawk to keep looking for the one-armed man. Albert sends Cooper and Truman. Uh, Albert reports to Cooper and Truman. I don't know where I got that. This is going to be a rough one. Uh, <laughs> we cocaine. Take a, we take one month off and this is what happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm out of practice. Uh, cocaine was in the diary envelope. Uh, Laura was bound with two different kinds of twine. Wounds on her neck were claw marks from an animal. Uh, Albert also found a small plastic fragment in Laura's stomach that depicted the letter J. Cooper refuses to sign Albert's official complaint against Truman. James announces he won't be going to the funeral. Uh, Audrey spies on Dr. Jacoby as he works with her brother, Johnny. At the funeral, Father Clarence says some words, and Johnny Horn provides a loud amen. James watches from a distance. Bobby blames everyone for Laura's death. Bobby and James begin to fight. A distraught Leland jumps on Laura's casket, which rises and falls as the hydraulic strain to compensate for the added weight. Truman, Ed, and Hawk tell Cooper about the Bookhouse Boys, a secret society to protect Twin Peaks from the evil in the woods. The Bookhouse Boys have captured Jacques Renault, uh, Bernard Renault, sorry, a possible drug runner. Cooper questions Bernard about his brother, Jacques. Josie wonders if somebody killed Andrew Packard, her husband. She suspects that Ben and Catherine want the mill land and worries they might kill her to get it. Later, Hawk and Cooper uh, help a distraught Leland leave the Great Northern. And that is our plot summary for episode three. A bit rough around the edges, but hey, it's been a month. Yep. Um, yeah, this was an interesting episode. So we're, we're coming out of... We're coming off of uh, number three, which was the dream episode, which was mm. easily the weirdest one yet. This one is definitely not... On that level at all, it brings it back down. But there's definitely some moments here that we'll get to, which were strange, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, it's coming off of that, I I guess there's kind of almost a challenge um, to, like, you know, how weird can you make the next one? Yeah. Um, but they really, they really don't really go that route. Um, I mean, opening scene is with um, Cooper and Audrey. Yeah, and I I mean I guess this is kind of weird in another way, but it, well, I thought it was interesting because he seems all business in this scene, um, as opposed to the previous episode where he was kind of 
um, going along with her flirtatious advances. Uh, but he, he kind of seemed, he was like, all right, he was just getting information from her and just moving along with it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it It seems like they're kind of figuring out how this dynamic between these two characters is supposed to work. You know, they really, like, you can tell the writers really want something to happen. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, it, it's a little weird at times, um, but I honestly, I don't mind their dynamic. I yeah, like it. I liked it. I like it enough. Um, she, you know, I, I honestly feel like when they are like at breakfast, Cooper is doing like a little bit more initiating. He's like, you know, your, pers- uh, your perfume is good and your, um, yeah, you know, whatever. I felt like he was just using that to get the information. Though. I think so. Yeah. And so he gets some information about, uh, Horn's department store, mm-hmm. which is, we found out that Ronette worked there. Yep. Um, and Ronette also worked at One Eye Jacks. Yes. Like, and then he asked her, did Laura work there? She said, I don't think so. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and I remember at the end of episode three, he says that I know who the killer is. So we're going mm-hmm. into this episode. I, 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 when I was watching it for the first time, I didn't think he was going to reveal the name of the killer, mm-hmm. you know, right there. That would have been a bit much, but. I, I figured something along these lines would happen where, you know, I forget it. You know, he pulls yeah. one of those. Yeah, I've, but, I've, I feel like if there's a major problem with this episode, major problem. Major problem. Um, it's, you know, it's necessary that he forgets. Like, you can't just say the killer right away. But um, I think if, if there's a flaw in this episode, then it's probably the fact that, you know, he just forgets. Yeah. And you could easily leave that out and just have him talk about his dream to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's true. Um. Which is, and so, I mean, just talking about that scene where he, you know, he describes his whole dream to them. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So he starts off and he starts talking about it and he starts filling in all these gaps and starts like putting in all this information about how um, the one-armed man shot Bob because uh, he, <laughs> yeah. because he like still wanted to kill again. And I was watching, and I was going, did did I did I miss something or like is this so I figure it could be you know a couple of things it could be this is just his interpretation of the dream like you know this is what he thinks because I mean I don't know uh, when you see a dream usually uh, after a while you start thinking different things about it or maybe we didn't see the whole dream maybe there were more parts of it that were not shown um, yeah so it, it was interesting uh, because he, he talks about that. Uh, there, there was a couple of the things that he said that I just, um, I yeah, didn't so, really pick up on. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the three things that I have, um, he says Harry and Lucy were in the dream. He, he says, says like, he yes. says like, Harry, you were there, Lucy, you were too. I was like, what? I'm not yeah. really sure. He says, Deputy De- Deputy Hawk sketched the picture of the man in Miss Palmer's vision. Right, which we didn't see. And he said that he got a phone call from Mike. And we see that whole, you know, the whole speech with uh, Mike with, you know, he yeah. says the firewalk with me poem. And, and he talks about how he lives above a convenience store and he and he used to kill with Bob. But again, we don't hear about him shooting Bob. Yeah. And, um, and when, he, when he said in the dream, you know, uh, we lived above it, I think you say convenience store. I didn't exactly take that literally. <laughs> but then when he said they lived above a convenience yeah, store. Yeah, I guess it's literally. You know, yeah. Sometimes when I watched the dream, I was trying to analyze it maybe too much. And then I was like, oh, they just lived above yeah, a convenience store. Yeah, it was store. actually just a convenience yeah. store. Okay, okay. And then he actually, he put the direct date on the dream. He says it was 25 years later. That's right. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that, that's the red room part, I guess. Yes. Um, where, you know, you, you can tell that he looks a little bit older there. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that some of the discrepancies in this dream uh, retelling come from um, an extended version of the pilot that they had to make, I think, for, like, international release. So there's, like, an international pilot um, 
basically that I I won't go into it too much now, but um, you know, once we get to like mid season two ish, uh, we'll be able to watch that and analyze because it's really interesting because I had to kind of switch some things up huh. um, to make it fit uh, for the international version, and it really doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, it doesn't. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I mean I guess that what they were doing here was describing what happened in that, but um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So that's all. That's all a little unclear, but um, yeah, and we get some more uh, great comedy between Lucy and uh, Truman. The Truman gets angry and he slams the table and he goes, "Damn!" <laughs> and Lucy looks over and goes, "Damn!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's very like just copying whatever. Yeah, she's writing down everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she's she's always a funny character. Um, and then we're actually at the morgue. Um, oh my god, I love this call. scene. This is a fantastic scene all around. You have Albert Truman Cooper. Uh, Dr. Hayward, Ben Horn, who's, I don't really know why he's there. I, yeah. He says he's like the ambassador, or not ambassador, but like he's like, like He's there for Leland. Yeah. Yes. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe this is why the guy was nominated from, from an Emmy for writing, because this scene yeah. is very well written. I love it when Albert, he just, he's just ranting. He goes, I'm the sultan of sentiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a good line. Um, and, and they're just going back and forth over the body of Laura Palmer, who's laying... Uh, right beside them, and, and Al- yeah. Albert wants to. He wants to go in and examine it, and not bring the body to the funeral. But then Doctor Hayworth is um, protesting pretty hard. I, I love it when Albert pulls out the drill and the mask and starts revving up the drill and is about to mm. drill into her brain when uh, Hayworth pulls the plug. Yeah, this is this is a really. I mean, it's it's almost like you know most of it is like business uh, stuff, but you know also there's a dead body right behind them. Yeah. It kind of it kind of just sets like an interesting uh, undertone for all the dynamics that we've mostly seen between these characters. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, and then uh, once Truman and Cooper walk in, um, Truman finally lets out his anger and punches Albert. <laughs> yeah, and that's when we get something really weird. And Albert falls on top of Laura's body and stays there for a bit. Like he, he falls on top of her, but he, he he like falls completely on top of her. And then it's a shot, and you can see him on the background, like, still laying on top of her. It's really strange and kind of echoes what happens later on with Leland falling on top of the coffin. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. It's, I didn't really know how to interpret either of those scenes, so yeah, it was weird. Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting moment for sure. And he, he says, like, I'm not sure what Albert says, but, like, when he falls, he's like something, he's like, how uh, fitting. Yeah, he says, like, oh, that's appropriate. Or yeah. Like that. yeah. And, and usually, you know, the person, you know, person falling on someone else is like a trope in romantic movies. You know, they both stumble mm-hmm. into each other and then fall on each other and, you know, they're in love. But it was, it was eerie. It was very eerie in this context. It was eerie. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess, I guess he's thinking like along the lines of, like, sentiment, and, you know, they they were, like, fighting over it, and now they, like, fall on the body. Like, that's just a... I, that's just, like, kind of an odd position to be in. So I guess, like, all their arguing kind of led to that. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, we're, um... Now we go to uh, the Palmer house with yes. what I think is also a great scene for writing. Yes, um, it is. So Invitation to Love is on the TV. Yeah. And some really interesting stuff happening... Uh, within the story of that TV show, I said uh, last episode that we were kind of going to chart the plot of that show, um, you know, along with Twin Peaks. And it's something really interesting. So, first of all, it's, you know, you have one actress uh, playing, it has twins, it has Emerald and Jade. 
or in oh, the show. Okay. And so, yeah. And, um, I guess you probably figured out Cheryl Lee plays both, uh, Laura and Maddie, her cousin. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I did oh, yeah. not okay. notice that. So that's, wait, so that's wait, the wait. same actress. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, I guess they do look alike and sound alike. Okay, I did not realize that. Yeah, at see, all. It, it was kind of hard to tell in this episode, probably with the with the glasses and different hair color too. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. that was like my third time watching. I did not pick up on that at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, then there you go. I'm glad oh, I mentioned that. Okay. But um, this. So the the character on the TV, uh, I think it's, I I don't, I don't I'm not quite sure. The father. Yeah, that's right. It's it's the father is about to. Uh, kill himself, and he's yeah. writing a suicide note. And on the TV, you hear um, like a knocking on the door, and like Daddy, it's Jade. So that's I guess one of his daughters, like trying to come in. And at the same time, you pretty much hear uh, oh. a knock on the door of the Palmer house, and um, Maddie Ferguson comes in and says, "Uncle Leland is like Uncle Leland." Yeah, Leland, I, I didn't no- I didn't notice notice that, but between the yeah, how similar that was between the two. I picked yeah. up on that, and you know, he was writing a letter about suicide, and Leland kind of stares at the TV. Yeah, he just stares at it. And he's got the, I forget what the nurse was doing to him, but he's got like a bandage on his arm or something. Mm. And you start to wonder what he's planning to do. Yeah, that's that's a really well-acted scene, I think, and some great like uh, duality between what's happening in yeah. real life. And, and I get, you've talked about this before, but like the theme, uh, one of the themes of Twin Peaks being duality and I guess, you know, with the the two in, in the TV show, the two sisters played by the same person. In real life, we have Laura and then Madeline played by the same actor. It's interesting. Yeah. Also very interesting. Um, do you happen to, do you recognize the name Madeline Ferguson? No. Uh, from Vertigo. Is that? Madeline is the one. Is it Ferguson? Is that her last name? Uh, I think, well. Wait. Or Wait. it's it's Scotty Ferguson. Oh, it's Scotty Ferguson. But, yeah, but and Madeline Judy. Uh, there, there's Garland. something about it in this book. No, wait, no, that's wait, Judy, <laughs> Judy, Judy Garland. Garland yeah. yeah, that is not that is not. Yeah. No, but yeah. Okay. So Madeline Ferguson comes from uh, Vertigo, and <sighs> with all the stuff about like changing the hair color. And oh, how interesting! Everything with that. Yeah. Oh, so there's some more. They, they combine Scotty and Matt. Oh, that's so interesting. I did not pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. That's so true because I mean, go back and listen to our Vertigo podcast. Yes, definitely. I, I, that was that's a really good podcast. Um, yeah, it's Scotty, not to pat ourselves on the back yeah, too much, but that was, that was literally, good. I'm going to pat myself on the back on this one. Vertigo was really good. <laughs> um, yeah, because Scotty is dressing up Madeline. Um, wow, that's interesting. Okay, that's really neat. Yeah, so I I really like that as um, a choice of name. You get, I mean, there's some other instances of like taking names that yeah. they like. I, I mean, Harry S. Truman being one. Yeah. But, uh, it is completely understandable that Vertigo would be um, a sort of inspiration for David Lynch. Because when you watch Vertigo, you said there's some similarities between the two. And now me watching Twin Peaks and looking back on it, I can see um, uh, where his inspiration for some things came. Yeah, this, this is mainly what I meant, actually, this character. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, just like the name Madeline and um, hair color stuff. and uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all really interesting how it's kind of tied in. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this character goes. Uh, we see her here, and we see her at the funeral, but that's all yeah. the entire episode. Yeah, and then also, if you can remember back in the uh, dream scene from the last episode, uh, the little man says something uh, along the lines, he, he says, she's my cousin, 
But doesn't she look almost exactly like Laura Palmer? Wow, I missed. Uh, I did not pick up on any of this. Wow, that's so true. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, this is a very interesting character. Very interesting, like sequence of her being introduced. Of you know what's on the TV and and some really interesting uh, dynamics being established. Interesting. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah. maybe so maybe like identical identical cousin type of thing going on. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um. So uh, after that. Uh, we are at the Double R Diner, and Norma is finding out that Hank uh, might be getting let out of prison soon. <laughs> yeah, and this is our... We see uh, like a mugshot of him, and that's the first um, visual that we've ever seen of him. They've talked about him before, but we've mm-hmm. never uh, seen a photo of him. Yeah, this is a interesting scene. Yeah, he's talking about his um, her husband's good behavior and how, if he gets let out... Um, is she going to help him look for a job? And then at the same time, the guy's like also flirting with her. Yeah, but then I love how he just, she just completely um, turns it around and she delivers that one line about how I tell men that my husband's, you know, serving time for murder. Yeah, right. <laughs> and his expression sours and he becomes all business again. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that scene with them. Um, and you, there's some really good acting on um, on her part. That's uh, Peggy Lipton is the actress. And she does a great job because you can definitely tell that she – does not want Hank back, but she is kind of yeah. trapped. Um, and at the same time, I mean, this is a scene a little bit later, but um, you know, there's some stuff with uh, Ed and Nadine, and how yeah. he's kind of trapped too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, there's like this panning shot over all these weird like um, ornaments um, uh, in in the house, and <laughs> you can hear Nadine's footsteps just booking it from the hallway, and she hugs him and they're getting ready for the funeral and once again i love it she gives ed that hug and ed just looks off into the distance with that that soulless stare (laughs) yeah you can i mean it's almost like the same situation um as you know uh, norma and hank but he's just i mean he's he makes nadine so happy but at the same time he's just not He's just not into it, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because Nadine tells a story about how when they were in high school, she used to watch Norma and Ed sitting together at football games, which I was like, oh, wow, you know, these people have all known each other since high school, which is uh, interesting. Makes sense. Small town. Yeah. Or somewhat small town. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a very touching scene, like from the account that she's giving and everything. But at the same time, <laughs> so sad for Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ed. <laughs> that's, t- that's tough for him. Um, let's see. And and also going along with kind of those, uh, like the ceramic, uh, like kind of sculptures, there's, I think, one of like an angel. Uh-huh. Maybe. There is. And there are a lot of like religious undertones, I feel like, in this episode. There are, because once when we get to later with uh, Bobby. Bobby, yeah. In front of the cross kind of moves his hands back, and it's an interesting composition. You mm-hmm. see, like, the palm leaves and the cross. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, he's in front of this, um, I mean, I don't even, it's just like this this piece of art with, uh, it's the cross, and then Jesus hanging on it, and Bobby kind of puts his arms up in the same, yeah, sort of, it's very interesting. Is that is that the scene following this one? That is, uh, I think that's a little later. A little bit uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much now. Okay. Um, yeah, and then once again, we get Bobby's dad. <laughs> yeah, Bobby's dad and, and Bobby. I love Bobby's dad. I love the acting from that guy. He's so eloquent. He uses all these big words, and hmm. it's, yeah, it, it's funny. And then his his mom comes in and with a smiley face pin on her shoulder. 
Yeah, their their family dynamic is. I mean, you can tell it's it's sort of like falling apart a yeah. little bit because of Bobby's, uh, you know, all of Bobby's issues. But yeah, and Bobby, he, I mean, he says that you know he's just he's had it. You know, he's he's going to. I forgot what the line is exactly. But he says he's going to like you know d- basically disrupt the funeral, which he does. Hmm. He's just you know he's had it up to here with all this, and he as we hear about later the hypocrisy that he sees in everyone. Yeah, it's that's a really interesting. It's scene. interesting. Yeah, I will get to later. Yeah. Um, and there's a, oh, and then the second scene with Albert here. Ah, um, yes. At the police station. So he's giving all these toxicology and, you know, all this, uh, you know, the, the examiner's reports and stuff. Um, he founds that, he finds that there was cocaine in her system. There was cocaine in the envelope. Um, and so, I mean, that's really like, that's gotta be a shock. Like we kind of talked about it before, but. How she kind of has two sides to her. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it to be cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I was on Truman's side. I was like, yeah, it's it's probably not cocaine. But, it, yeah, it turned out to be cocaine. And then he says that there was a, was it a plastic J? It's a plastic, yeah. In the shape of a J in her stomach. And, and the, I'm not, they didn't say exactly what the plastic was from, did they? In this no. Okay. No. And okay. then, remember, we found a paper letter B, was it, under her nail. I think, yeah, I think it might have been B. It was, because he said Bobby? Uh, yeah, because he made yeah. that connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, J, Johnny? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of J's. <laughs> That's right, yeah, well, we know all the J names from last episode yes. and, the, and the rock throwing, the awesome rock throwing scene. Um, yeah, so that's that's a, another J. That's some interesting stuff. And he talks about uh, the twine that they were tied up with. Yeah, and once again, if we want to talk about that, like, kind of religious undertones, he says that she was tied, like, at different points on her arm, and he moves his arms back and almost kind of, like, oh, in a crucifixion-like stance. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, with the, sometimes my arms have been back from the dream. That's right, yeah, I was just going to bring that up. So that's another line from the dream that is uh, coming back here. It's yeah. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, and... You know, and we learned that she was tied up at two different locations. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, we don't really know what the story is, but it's yeah. kind of coming together a little bit more. He means two different locations on her arm, right? Or is this... Uh, I think he meant... Well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you could see it either way. I think it was I, on his... Because did, didn't he point out... That's like, right, yeah, he there? does. Okay, yeah, I, okay. I kind of just took that to mean, like, two different... At two different places, like, in okay. the town or something like that. But, yeah. I mean, I honestly don't remember... Um, all the details of what happens that night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's, it's the story is starting to come together a little more, yeah. which is, which is cool. And then we also get Albert throwing some more jabs at Truman. <laughs> he just continues yeah, to burn goes, everyone. Throughout. It's, it's trying to think, <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, interesting thing at the end here, uh, once Truman leaves, Albert wants to speak to Cooper and he asks him to sign a report of like, you know, him being, uh, assaulted by Truman or something along those lines. And Cooper refuses to sign it, and he he goes and he says, you know, when I since my time here at Twin Peaks, I've seen a lot of decency, and he defends the town at Twin Peaks, which I thought was really interesting. And then he makes this interesting phone call to uh, Diane, Diane, who we still don't know who that is yet. And in that phone call, he says, "Looking to buy pension plans, looking to buy a piece of land that I think will probably be very cheap." Is he looking to buy a house in Twin Peaks? Is I that think, the thing? I think that's what we're supposed to get from that. Okay, and yeah, and then he just sort of he stops the tape recorder and just sort of gives this smile. Yeah, and that was a sweet moment. You know, he's yeah. genuinely touched by this town, and he actually likes it. You know, he's not some. He is at times an all business detective, but he's not cold and callous. You know, he's actually got a heart and uh, very likable. 
Yeah, and I think kind of like having to defend the town to uh, to Albert kind of made him like realize it. It's kind of like when you're like put on a like debate team in school or something, and you have um, like you're given a side, and then like after researching it, you're like, yeah, I really believe this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like he had to defend it, and um, yeah, that's a that's a really sweet moment for him. But also, he seems kind of young to be retiring. Yeah, he does. I mean, I don't know how much, like, special agents in the FBI get paid, but... That's true. I, seems... Yeah, I kind of placed them at, like, 35 or yeah, something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, young enough yeah. to be... Young enough for the writers to think that it's a good idea for him to be in a relationship with an 18-year-old, so... Uh, apparently, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it can't be that old. <laughs> um, and it's... Yeah, Albert and Cooper have an interesting dynamic, because... He praises Albert's detective uh, uh, talents, and he's like, he's the best one. But then he also knows, like, this guy is hard to work with, and I will put him in his place when he needs to be put in his place. So, yeah. And it's kind of like this checks and balances going both ways with, with yeah. him. Yeah, but that's that's a great monologue. I love when Cooper just stands up for the town, for Truman, and um, yeah, for all that. Yeah, and uh, now we're... Oh, so um, at the Great Northern, we see... Audrey sneaking into her little back room to eavesdrop. Have we seen that room before so far? No. Okay. okay. I, I, I couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember. Uh, if that was was that a trick question? Previous episodes. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know. I've not seen her go behind that wall and sneak okay. people yet. Yeah. So she goes behind the wall, yeah. takes out this little panel, and she's listening. Uh, she's watching a room, and she's listening to a conversation where her parents are arguing about Johnny. And Dr. Jacoby is trying to convince him to take off the hat so they can go to the funeral. And he finally does. And we get this, like, reveal of his, like, very long black hair. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting, uh, like, vulnerable moment for Johnny here. Yeah. Um, and I don't really, I mean, it's a pretty long scene. Like, I feel like it should have, um, like, I feel like it should be more important than it seems to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, it makes me wonder who else she's been spying on. Or, yeah. I, I mean, is that the only peak hole she has? You know, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, because we know that, you know, Ben is in cahoots with Catherine, with yes. the mill and stuff. So, I mean, we don't know what she knows about that. We don't know. If I she... would not be surprised if she knew, like, everything about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the stuff about, like, Horn's department store. Yeah. You know, how does she know? Yeah. And she's got this, like, different change of hairstyle in this scene before the funeral. It's, like, slicked back, like, yeah. straight up against her head. It's really interesting. I, I was thinking, like, man, she really looks like Josie here because, you know, she has the yeah, uh, like, slicked back hair. And then at the actual funeral, um, they show, they're kind of, like, showing close-ups of everyone. It was really interesting while um, Father, I guess it's Father Clarence is what the book says. Yeah. I, I did not know that, that was his name, but, uh, so Father Clarence is like, you know, giving his prayer, uh, talking about Laura and he's giving like close up shots on everyone. And it shows, I think, Audrey and then right away Cooper. And they have like the exact same hairstyle. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's like, maybe she's like trying to be more like him. And oh. She, she was dressing more like business like. Yeah, because she's kind of obsessive over his, um, you know, his likes and dislikes. Because in the previous episode, she's talking with uh, Donna about it, and she's, you know, mm-hmm. he likes his coffee black or something, mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and Cooper's. I, I specifically pointed that out when I was watching the scene because Cooper's hair looks especially like slick, and there's not like one hair out of place in at the funeral scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh... Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting. I'm not really sure about what the connection with that is. 
Yeah, but but it's interesting. We do get you know shots of almost all the characters, and we're just like looking at their reactions, and we we see just how wide of an impact this death has had. Yeah, and I notice they go from the shot of Audrey replacing that panel on the wall uh, from where she was spying, and they go right to um, a, a view of the trees, and it's at the funeral. Um, but I'm wondering if that's supposed to be like some sort of closure. Like it seems like. Uh, you know, people are going to get like emotional closure from, um, from this funeral. And that's even what Major Briggs says. Like he says, it's, this is man's way of getting closure when we, you know, like put someone in the ground. Yeah. Um, but you know, of course this, and it's a beautiful scene with, uh, Father Clarence <laughs> loved it. I, his testament to Laura and you know, who she was, um, and a really sweet moment from Johnny. Where he just yells, "Amen!" Yeah, he yells, "Amen!" Um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, then, and then, and then Bobby goes. He goes uh, crazy. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he finally. Yeah, you know, almost he, closure, he, and then he just. He, yeah, he follows up Johnny's "Amen" with a uh, much more louder and wild "Amen." Mm-hmm. He just absolutely screams it, and then he goes on this rant, and he he says, "You guys are all hypocrites. You know, we all knew about this, and we didn't do anything." And it's. It's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, it's weird because, you know, you want to be against him and, like, come on, you, like, you're ruining the funeral. But at the same time, you know, he's kind of right. Yeah. I mean, in a way, they were all uh, responsible for it. I guess, yeah. Everybody, as we've kind of seen, has their own secrets and has some sort of connection with Laura. We don't fully know each of those connections, but we know there's something going on there. And, yeah, what follows is a really cool scene because we see James pull up. And good old James uh, starts to walk over, and he goes, I'm going to kill you. And they start running toward each other. But then we switch into this really, really, really cool slow-mo yeah. shot. And it's it's filled with so many characters, but, like, every single one of the frame is someone we know. Like, there's Ed in there, and, you know, the, a snake pops up it's, trying to get in on the action. <laughs> like, there's just, like, everyone is holding them back, and it's it's intense, yeah. It is, it is very intense, yeah. And, I mean... At this point, uh, Leland just sees this happening and just completely goes crazy. Um, I okay. Over the past couple episodes, I've been growing increasingly suspicious of Leland, and especially with the end of this episode, we'll talk about. Okay. I, I Leland. I don't know about this guy. I'm I'm starting to get really suspicious of him. Um, it's just I feel like in every single episode, or maybe like the last two or whatever. There's been, like, a special emphasis. Like, he's had, like, one or two scenes that are especially noteworthy and really weird and, like, out of left field. With the last episode, uh, we saw him with the record player and dancing Mm -hmm. and smearing his blood over the portrait. Um, And in this one, it's weird. He falls on top of the coffin and he's, like, crying and screaming and he's going up and up and and up and down. And like I said, it kind of echoes what Albert did when he fell on her. And then then, uh, Laura Palmer, Mrs. Palmer... Says, don't like, don't screw this yeah, up. Says, don't ruin this too. Yeah, and it's like uh, that was an, that's an interesting line. I'm not. I'm. I like it, but you know, it, I just, we're not really sure like what that means or if it means anything. Yeah, just, that's partly why I'm kind of suspicious. Um, like I understand like he's grieving, but it just seems like a lot. Like he's 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 sad that he. Like, he's probably sad that he didn't, he probably felt that he could do something more, but it seems like he's regrets that he might have had actually, like, a, a part in her death. Interesting. I don't know. I'm suspicious of him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, and 
Also, when Leland jumps on the coffin, somebody screams, but, and I, you know, I figured at first that it was uh, Mrs. Palmer, but yeah. I think when we look at her, I think we can actually see her, but she does, she isn't the one screaming. So I don't know who is. Yeah. But, you know, I, that was just something that I thought of, like, who's screaming right now. Uh-huh. Um, I, I kind of figured it was her because of all the screaming that she's done in every other episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, a great all-around scene uh at the funeral there's there's a lot going on but i it's like you said like they're all characters that we know they're all kind of stories that we know that are coming together yeah it's what it's one of the scenes that i feel like i'll want to revisit after watching more of twin peaks Mm -hmm. to see what i can pick up on yeah and it's one of the only scenes throughout the series where all the characters are right there that's true yeah yeah um so yeah great scene there and then um at the at the double R, there's a strange, very strange moment uh, of misplaced humor that I found. Shelly uses the like napkin dispenser to mimic uh, Leland jumping on the coffin. The hydraulics <laughs> going crazy, it's... and they're like these two old men at the counter, and they're laughing. And it's such an odd scene because we just came from this, you know, super emotional. Like this father is uh, completely like insane with grief and he's you know jumped on this coffin and um there's a fight breaking out at the funeral and and then Shelly just gets there and is just making fun of him yeah <laughs> i wonder i'm assuming Shelly was at the funeral we didn't I, see her there i think she was yeah i, th- I think i saw and her. even if she wasn't i'm sure she would hear about uh what went down but it's yeah it's weird you're like this why are, why are they laughing about yeah, that I I like, it's kind of i mean but honestly That's, for me since I'm, like, really suspicious of Leland, I was like, oh. Like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't... I wasn't like, why are they laughing? I didn't like, kind of take too okay. much of that stance. Okay. But it was definitely strange. Definitely weird. Yeah, very, very <laughs> weird. And that's probably the weirdest instance of that type of humor in the whole series, I would yeah. say. Because uh, that's just... I, I don't know. I'm not really sure why <laughs> I'm really they, sure about that. Why that decision came about, but... Um, yeah, that's good. And then there's great scene b- between these four men. Uh, you have Hawk and Truman and Big Ed. Big Ed. And Cooper shows up. Oh, before Cooper gets there, they're talking about, um, you know, do, do you think he'll notice? Yeah. I'll take the check if he notices. <laughs> yeah. Um, and once he comes, you know, we see Cooper's sleuthing skills once again. He notices that Norma and Ed have a thing going on. And honestly, of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah. Oh, all four of these characters are so much fun to watch. Um, uh, I, I love once again Cooper's infatuation with the pie. It's it's almost like um, Truman's just kind of like catching on to this, and I, I just kind of like how he when he delivers that line about like how would you like some huckleberry pie? <laughs> he like he's like playing it up because he knows Cooper's going to jump on this and absolutely go like love this pie. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I mean again, there are just some awesome. Uh, quick switches between, like, talking about there's a darkness in these woods and this must be where pies go to die. (laughs) This must be, yeah, this must be where pies go when they die. Yeah, Yeah, but they they begin this weird conversation. They say there's, you know, men before us and men after us have been, you know, uh, protecting Twin Peaks from this evil, some called a darkness in the woods. And they don't really say... What is this darkness? I mean, they say that someone has been smuggling in drugs from across the border, but they kind of they talk about it very ambiguously. And this scene, aside from 
the dream where Cooper is just completely bewildered as anyone would be. But this is one of the first scenes that happens, you know, in in real life, not in a dream, where Cooper is kind of behind. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. And yeah. there, are pe- there are people who know more than he does. I, I was surprised. I was wondering where they would take it the first time I saw it. I didn't know if um, Cooper would be all right with what they're doing. I didn't, because he says, that's a little bit, you know, outside of your jurisdiction, Ed. Um, I didn't know if he'd say, like, you know, you guys shouldn't be doing this, keep it to the police, but he actually, he goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that's because, just because, like, he's learned to trust Truman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, trust, I, I guess, Hawk, and probably to a lesser extent, Big Ed. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, and, he, and he probably believes in what they're doing. Um, and actually, we heard about the Bookhouse Boys in the last episode, because James was saying that he was going to... Or maybe the episode before, I'm not sure. But James was saying that he was going to need protection from uh, Mike and Bobby. Yeah. Because they were, you know, trying to kill him. And Ed says, like, we'll get the Bookhouse Boys, right? Yeah. And we're yeah. like, what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and also then in that, in that same episode, Ed says that he was on a stakeout. Um, so, you know, I, I we kind of knew that he was going to be involved with something, but... Now we actually get to see it. And then it's the secret society that's been going on. And now I don't know how long it's been going on because Truman says there were men before us yeah. and there were more men before then. And you're, and like, okay, to, yeah, you're like, okay, so hundreds of years. I'm, think, like I'm thinking about. like hundreds of years of history. And then they get to the, they get to the, I guess it's the book house. And Truman goes here, uh, here it is. This is where we've been for 20 years. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I know. I was getting these like national treasure, like the the Freemasons. Like I don't yeah. know. I was getting like some of those vibes. Maybe that's just me because I love that movie so much. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And I was kind of wondering, like, when they talk about the darkness in the woods. I mean, do they even know what it is? Because they're speaking about it extremely ambiguously. Maybe they're just not specifying, or maybe they themselves are. They don't really understand what's going on, but they know there's something out there. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. We've seen a lot of weird things, you know. There's, obvi- there's obviously the dream. There's the one-armed man who is also in the dream, and there's you know, the log lady and um, just Leo being generally very creepy. But yeah, I I guess we don't really know what they know about it. Yeah, um, Th- that's a lot that, of, and that's a that's probably a good place for us to be in because we really don't know much either. That's a lot of what watching the show is for the first time going, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this is of importance and like, I don't know if this mm. is actually what he means. You know, it's a lot of that. Yeah. But just like getting a sense of, uh, <laughs> like what it is, like kind of the kinds of things that happen there. Um, and you may be like, maybe there's not a specific answer for like, what is the darkness in the woods? But like, you know, that there are a lot of weird things going on. Um, and that's kind of all we need and that's kind of all they need and they and they just know that we have to protect against this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is great. And then they take him to the book house, um, and Bernard Renault is tied up here <laughs> and they question him. This man's accent. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. It's so funny. It was hilarious. I didn't know nothing. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Yeah, so he he's tied up, he's gagged, and they remove the gag, and they're they're questioning him um, about you know did he um, did he ever sell drugs to Laura Palmer? I believe was one of the questions, um, and he gives these responses in this uh, very interesting French accent. Um, 
but it, it's yeah, it's uh, it's something. It's interesting. It is, yeah, and and you know he's giving more information about Jacques, and then I think right after the scene we see a dark uh, figure walking along a street. Yeah, and this I mean this scene completely had slipped my mind, but I love this. It's just a dark figure, and then you realize that it is Jacques, um, and he. He sees, we talked about colors a lot in the last episode, and he sees a red light blinking. Yeah, and okay, I, which reappears at the very end. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it might, yeah. Yeah, um, I know, it's something, we've talked about this a bit, like, in the very first episode, but, like, red is everywhere. Um, Madeline's red glasses, um, the, um, Bobby's family's red kitchen. Uh, Leo, it, Leo's red car. Yes, like it's just everywhere. There are instances of it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, the colors of the high school. Yeah, I didn't realize that they showed a red light here uh, in this scene. But yeah. yeah, he he sees some red light and then he calls um, oh, Leo. Oh, that's right. He calls Leo yeah. and he says like the light is on. It's like the bust light or something. Which I don't know what that means, but I guess it's some some sort of kind signal. of signal, yeah, within their like drug ring that you know the police are onto us, something yeah. like that. And, and I mean, we've known that Leo is a sketchy guy, and now we know that he has some connections with the Renaults. And um, I mean, Leo is a truck driver, so he's probably smuggling drugs. He's probably I don't, I mean, well, he is, yeah, well, yeah, because he's yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> That's right. He he's giving them to to Snake and Bobby. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, I mean, as soon as Leo leaves the house, we see Shelly, and she's hiding a gun. Yes. And this is, I mean, what did you think about this? I mean, it's got to seem pretty shocking, like... Yeah, and she puts it in this hidden cupboard. Um, So I guess the most logical thing would be that she's planning to kill Leo, but I don't really know if it's that. Um, I mean, Leo is a horrible guy, and I mean... I mean, it kind of makes sense, but a piece of me is also like, you know, I'm always wondering what what these characters' hidden ulterior motives are. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if there's something else there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe just protection against Leo. I don't yeah, know. maybe. I mean, it seems like why now? Like she's been married to him for like a couple of years, I think. Um, I'm not quite sure what the timeline is for them, but you know, like why why just now would she be like plotting to kill him? Um, yeah, but I mean, he's been like more violent recently, I guess. So it could, it could make sense that it's like for protection. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah. I mean, we don't really know, but she's, she always seems like such a like benign, like innocent character. And then, you know, she's just hiding a gun. Um, so there's, I mean, really more like kind of with the theme of darkness in these woods. Um, you know, she seems like. She seems like a good character. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something else. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of like with Laura, but yeah. Um, and I guess we got some stuff at the end here. The last scene, correct? That's right. Yeah, the last scene with Leland. Um, yeah, I love this scene. Oh my goodness! So, so they it starts off and like the Twin Peaks theme is playing, which you know, whenever this is playing. Like, I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so atmospheric. I just love it. Um, and Hawks, and so Cooper starts off and he asks, you know, do you believe in souls, Hawk? And I love Hawk. And I love his response. And we've learned that he's kind of like a, uh, mystical, like Native American heritage and believes in all this kind of stuff. And he, he starts talking about souls. And I remember one of his lines was, I believe it was dream souls go to the land of the dead. 
I believe, what uh, was what it was, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooper's Dream, Red Room, was that the Land of the Dead? Because Laura's dead. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she died and went there. That's yeah, very interesting. But it, it, it was... Cause it, it, this scene is interesting because it starts off and it's like beautiful. It's kind of ethereal because... The Twin Peaks theme is playing and they're talking about souls and you see like all these dancing figures and Leland's there. He's kind of like half in a trance, half sad, half like dancing. And then the Twin Peaks music fades away and we hear, I don't know if it is Glenn Miller, but it's in that same big band style of music. We should definitely uh, find out what that song is. Because remember with with the other one, we were were saying we were going to start a playlist for it. Oh, that's right. (laughs) So... We gotta take all the songs that are in this show and Yeah. That'd be an interesting uh compilation. Yeah. So uh, this scene is interesting. This is also the other part where it just makes me increasingly suspicious. Because in the episode before this, we see Leland. He's in front of the record player, Glenn Miller is playing, he's snapping, and then he says, We have to dance, we have to dance for Laura. In this scene, he is snapping. Glenn Miller esque music is playing, and he asks people, like, dance with me. He's urging people to dance with him. I don't know what this is about, but I'm suspicious. I don't know about this. And it, the scene is extremely uncomfortable and kind of hard to watch. It's, it is. It, it really it, is. It's it, like tough. People are disturbed when he's just like walking up and like, please dance with me. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. And Cooper takes uh, notice of this and they walk over, music cuts, and they lead him off. And they say, let's go home. And he's like, home? Home? And he's crying. And they lead him off. And then we get a shot of the red traffic light. And then it fades away, and we get you know the credits with the portrait of Laura Palmer. Yeah, I love the red traffic light whenever that's used. Yeah, has that been at the end of any episodes? I don't know. I think it might. It's, it was. I, th- I think it might be before um, it, Sarah sees, um, like, sees the hand take the. Um, it might have been. Take the it was used as a transition for something in it one of the episodes. Was, yeah. But I just, Leland. I don't know. I I, I honestly feel like he has some. Some role in this murder, some part more than what he's letting on. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually on uh, at the end of the uh, each episode, I'm picking who I think is the murderer. And for the past uh, two or three, I guess two, yeah, um, I've been saying Bob, which is like who has been like the main suspect, and they've like basically said like. The Cooper thinks that Bob is the one who, you know, he had, like, this urge to kill. But that just seems way too obvious. So I'm going with Leland. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if he is the killer, but I am very suspicious of him, and I'm curious to see what they do with him in the future episodes. All right. Well, we will see how that plays out. Um, if it helps you, it's, it might just confuse you even more. But I'm pretty sure that at this point in the series, they didn't know who the killer was going to be. I mean, even, like, David Lynch and Mark Frost had not decided. Really? Yeah, it was kind of something where, you know, they wanted to leave it a mystery for a long, long, long time. And, um, I mean, eventually the network tells them that they have to. <laughs> um, they have to reveal the killer, which which they which they will. I, um, I am interested to see how that plays out. Um, but, yeah, I- so, I mean, it, it was something where, you know, they're dropping all these clues and they want you to believe it's a, it's a lot of characters. Um, kind of like what Bobby says, like they all killed her, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, yeah. Um, 
We'll that's see. yeah. That 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 is episode four of Twin Peaks. It uh, is rest in pain. Rest in pain. Yeah, that's an interesting. We, we didn't talk about that title, but and like you said, these titles were added later on after mm-hmm. it was you know. It, it was for the German release of all the German. Episodes. It was just, it was specifically Germany. It, yeah, Germany. I'm not sure why, but Germany they, likes those titles. I guess I so. <laughs> <laughs> they had to have titles. They won't watch an episode unless there's a title. (laughs) But yeah, no, rest in pain. I mean, I guess it makes sense with, like, the funeral and how it's kind of disrupted. Yeah, like, she's... Her her death certainly wasn't a peaceful one, and uh, the ramifications that it has caused certainly not... certainly caused a lot of pain between community members. Interesting. And even with the scene in the morgue when Albert falls on her, that's even kind of... Yeah. yeah. Like, not leaving the body alone. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, like, collateral for a fight that's breaking out anymore. So. <laughs> that's so sad, yeah. Yeah. Even in death. <laughs> I know. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of good stuff in this episode. Yeah, I so I am promptly going to go watch episode five. I'm okay, excited to watch it. <laughs> and, I mean, we should be getting some more episodes rolling out. Yeah, so um, it probably won't be for another two weeks. Um, for any episodes just with me and Logan's production that's coming up next mm-hmm. weekend. So we're going to be pretty swamped with that. But after that, I think we should, um, I don't know if return to our, uh, what we have is our scheduled release, release schedule, but I think we'll be getting episodes out more consistently. So yeah, yeah just stay tuned for that. Uh, we're glad that we got this episode out. Like we said, we wanted to just get some content out on this channel. So we hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and we're just going to keep plugging through the series and unraveling all these mysteries. Yeah. So um, uh, join us. Probably won't be next week, but <laughs> sometime later. Join us some week for the next episode of Back yes. in Style. It will be episode five of Back in Style. It will. Uh, I'm Logan. I'm Matthew. And we will see you next time. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.